And a very good day. This is Pastor Mark with Touch of God. And today we're going to be talking about faith and how to use the faith, the measure of faith that God has given to each of us. We understand that faith is the currency of heaven. In your country, you have a currency of money. But faith is the currency of heaven. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So we know that heaven is in the invisible realm, the spiritual realm, a realm that you cannot see with your naked eyes. God is also spirit. And so therefore, we cannot see him with our naked eyes, but we have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we have to be able to believe that God exists. And in order to be able to believe, for us to choose that we believe, we have the free gift of faith from God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But to begin with, God has given us a measure of faith so we can decide in our own free will to use that faith to believe in things and also to believe in God that we cannot see with our naked eyes. We can also use faith to be able to have things happen according to God's will, including when we pray for the sick to see them recover. We do not see the physical healing until the person says they no longer have pain, but we have to believe by faith first in the promises of God and what Jesus has paid for at the cross, but also at the whipping post for that person's healing. And that has to come by believing in something you do not yet see, but you can hope for and believe that it will happen if you believe and do not doubt in your heart. So God has given us the ability to believe in something that we do not see with our naked eyes, but has been promised by his word. So Hebrews 11 Verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Now this is in the Amplified Classic Edition if you want to read this particular version. And the Amplified Versions, as we've explained before, is a version that brings out more explanation of each verse as you're reading it. So it's very helpful if you do not understand the version that you have currently. Perhaps it's the King James. Perhaps it's another version. I encourage you to try the Amplified Classic Edition or just the regular Amplified Version. So now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed. The title deed on a piece of property that you might own, you would consider that the absolute legal confirmation that you own that piece of property, you own that land or you own that car. It's a title deed. It's something official. Now imagine the things of the earth will pass away, but God's word will remain. So we know that God's word is even more trustworthy 
than the title deed to a piece of land or property or a car that you might own. So when we have been given the measure of faith to be able to believe in things we do not see, when we read the Word of God, we can understand God's promises and what we can believe in using that measure of faith, and then we have the best assurance of all existence, and that's God himself and what his word says. His scriptures are God-breathed. He breathes his word. His word, his scriptures, his verses, they are all truth. They set you free, and that's the life and light that's coming from God himself. And we're able to trust in his word if we decide to. We need to come to the point where we make a decision. Are we going to trust that the word of God is true? Or are we going to be caught up in this situation of believing that God did not write the Bible, that man wrote the Bible? Well, man was given inspiration by the Holy Spirit what to write. And that's how the Bible was formed. So... We have to be able to use the the faith that God has given us in order to please God. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 says, Look at the proud. His soul is not straight or right within him, but the rigidly just and the uncompromisingly righteous man shall live by his faith and in his faithfulness. Now, you may have heard this phrase, the just shall live by faith, and we're going to read that in just a moment, but that is coming from this verse in the Old Testament in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Look at the proud, his soul is not straight or right within him, but the rigidly just and the uncompromisingly righteous man shall live by his faith and in his faithfulness. Now, how can the Word of God say, live by his faith, if he doesn't have faith to begin with? So, God does not expect us to do anything that he hasn't already provided us the means to do or to use. So, for God to expect us to believe by faith in him, he has to give us the ability to believe, to have the faith, the measure of faith to use that measure of faith that God has given us to believe in him. And he has done that, and we're going to see that in just a moment in a couple of scriptures. But we can see that the Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 verse that talks about the just and the uncompromisingly righteous man shall live by his faith and in his faithfulness. This verse is repeated in the New Testament several times, including in Romans chapter 1 verse 17, where it says, For in the gospel... A righteousness which God ascribed is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. And as it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. Now let's have a look at what the word just means. Just means based on or behaving according to what is morally right and fair. So you are a just person if you behave according to what is morally right and fair. If you do what is right in a situation, 
It may be a difficult situation. It may be a difficult decision for you to make, but the decision you make should be in accordance with God's will. It should be what's morally right and fair to you, to the other person, to the situation. And then you are acting as a just person. And a person that is just lives by faith and lives in his faithfulness. His faithfulness to God is faithfulness to the precious souls around them. And we thank the Lord today for giving us this measure of faith. We're going to be learning about that in just a moment, about where God is giving us this measure of faith. So what is faith? Let's have a look at what faith is. So a precious soul in the world would tell you the phrase, seeing is believing. However, this should be a foreign concept to a believer in Christ. The Christ follower should be saying, believing is seeing. Should be the other way around. We should not be waiting to see something in order to believe that God's word is true. Christ followers should be saying, believing is seeing. We should be believing for something that we do not yet see and not being surprised when we finally see it materialize in front of us. That is using faith. We can only believe for something that we cannot see when we use faith. We cannot do that without faith. And God has given each of us, he has apportioned to each of us an equal measure of faith in order to be able to know him, to believe him, to believe his promises, to speak to situations and bring heaven to earth in those situations Heaven we cannot see with our physical eyes, so we have to bring heaven's resources to the earth by faith because these resources are in in the invisible realm. So we have to be able to first believe that God's word is true, trust in him, do not doubt in our heart that whatever we say will come to pass, and then we will bring a piece of heaven to earth in a situation, whether it's salvation, whether it's a complete restoration in someone's body for health and healing. So everyone born again or yet to be born again has been given the free gift of faith by God. Praise the Lord. As someone who was fallen in the world before I came to Christ, I could not see what was about to happen and what I was about to receive, but I used the faith God gave me to receive salvation. We can see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, where it says, For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. Of course, we know that salvation is not by what you've done and how well you've acted in the world. It's got nothing to do with that because we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fallen short. That's why we need Jesus. To save us. But this verse explains that it's by faith that we came to Christ. So it is not true to say that faith is only given to those who are born again because you have to have faith to be born again. And at the time that you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, at that moment you weren't yet born again, but once you made the decision by faith, you became born again. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For by the grace, unmerited favor of God given to me, 
I warn everyone among you not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought, not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. That's the letter of Paul, the Apostle Paul, to the church at Rome. Here's another verse that it talks about the quantity, the, the measure of faith. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle, special messenger of Jesus Christ to those who have received, obtained an equal privilege of like precious faith with ourselves in and through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We also know that God is no respecter of persons, so it would not be in his nature to give a different measure to one and not everyone else. So here in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1, we see that we have obtained an equal privilege of like precious faith with ourselves in and through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So remember, God is no respecter of persons. He has not given you a bigger measure of faith than he has given to me. We have an equal amount. The big thing is, what do we do with this measure of faith and do we ever use it? How often do we use it? What do we use it towards? So we have been given an equal measure of faith, an equal privilege of this faith to use daily. We can use it every moment of the day. That's what God expects of us. He wants us to do this because without faith, it's impossible to please God according to the word of God. It is not for us to keep faith in our back pocket as an emergency for a rainy day. Acting in faith, trusting for things we cannot see, should be a part of our nature and our daily lives. Because we have one God that loves us and guards over us. But it is important here to accept that God does not control your body and when it moves and when it doesn't. You're not a robot. God does not by himself control your day. He expects you to work with him as co-laborers and co-workers with him, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. So it is up to us to use the faith that God's given us to trust in him, to work with him in trust and decreeing and declaring his truth over situations so that he can do the supernatural through the faith that we have applied to the situation. That is how we are a co-laborer and a co-worker with him. We believe in someone getting healed, and we lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. But Jesus said that believers shall lay hands on the sick. Well, a believer is only a believer if they are using faith to believe in something, into believing one of God's promises. So I wouldn't be a believer laying hands on the sick if I didn't believe by faith that Jesus went to the whipping post, and by the stripes and by the scourging, we are healed, we were healed. Or the person that's in front of me was already healed. The, the payment for their healing has already been made by Jesus' stripes, his scourging. I wouldn't be a believer laying hands on the sick. I would be an unbeliever laying hands on the sick. So I have to use the faith that God has given me when I lay hands on the sick. We see the person get healed because of the faith that has been applied to the situation, and that faith allows a resource from heaven to come to earth. Life from within me, the Holy Spirit, is coming forth 
into the person that I'm praying for to get healed. Because I use faith in believing the verses of the Word of God are true, believing that their healing has been paid for. I am a believer in those things, and therefore, supernaturally, the person gets healed because faith is being applied and it's active. Remember also Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 explains that the Word of God is alive and active. So when I bring my faith to bear on a situation and I'm recalling in my heart the Scriptures that make that healing possible, that is the Word of God being believed in, being applied by faith towards a situation, and then that situation turns around and becomes on earth like it is in heaven or like it would be in heaven for that person to be healed. So use your faith in order to have a relationship with God as well. Not just think about healing other people, but we need to have faith to just have a relationship with the Lord. That's because we do not see him with our naked eyes, so we have to believe that he's there. And we can only believe if we have faith that he's there. So use your faith in order to have a relationship with God, to speak with him, to be able to trust that he is indeed with you. Even though you do not see him with your physical eyes, once you believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, Hebrews 11 verse 6, you will have a knowing that he is with you, and his presence will become more evident to you. Remember again, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, this is a verse I would love for you to really chew on, like a cow chews on their cud. Truly trust in this verse and really get to meditate and contemplate it because faith is the currency of heaven. And don't you want to be a true ambassador for Christ on the earth? You have heaven in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is within you. So you have heaven within you. You are seated in heavenly places, but also heaven and the things of the Lord are already within you, the full deity of God, the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are living within you. So the currency of God, the currency of heaven is faith. So it is central to your being and your understanding that you must use this faith, because if you don't use faith, you are in unbelief, doubt, and maybe even fear. So an unbelief, doubt, and fear are the three directly opposing forces to faith. So if you say that you believe in a verse in the Scriptures, but you have a slight doubt in your mind that it will come to pass, then you are not in faith, you're actually in unbelief. And you will not see that situation turn around like you had hoped, because you are doubting. Any small doubt will cancel out the ability for the supernatural to happen by faith. So, Faith is having a steadfast trust in God, the Father, His Son, and His Holy Spirit. And as in any friendship, trust begins and grows based on their behavior towards you. And acts of kindness and expressions of loyalty in that friendship. So to get to know the Lord, we must seek Him for ourselves in private. Matthew 6 verse 6. In our hearts. We must engage in a conversation in our hearts and mouths towards him. We must seek the Lord and a relationship with him ourselves and not through other people. What I mean by that is God wants a relationship with you directly. He doesn't want a relationship through another person to get to you. However, 
there may be a season in your life, particularly perhaps early on in your walk with the Lord, where you don't sense his voice, you don't yet recognize his voice. Maybe you are not yet born again, and maybe a situation where God places someone in your life, someone that hears from him and that can speak what he's speaking to you through them. And this is what happened to me for approximately six years before I came to Christ. There was a a precious soul, a brother in Christ who was placed in my life, and he clearly always heard from the Lord, and, and I was able to prove that based on what he was saying to me that the Lord was telling him to tell me. But ultimately, God only places those people in our lives for a short period of time or relatively short period in our life because ultimately he wants us to have a relationship with him directly because after a while we realize, we recognize our hearts, the the still small voice, and God is speaking to us. He always has been. It's just that we haven't tuned in or we've had louder noise in our lives through distractions and we weren't able to discern his voice because of all the other things going on in our lives. We must also disregard all things that we've ever been told about the Lord, about his nature, from anyone who has an opinion about that, unless they were speaking directly from Scripture and teaching that Scripture correctly. What I mean by this is, you may have been raised as a child, as a teenager, growing up into a, an adult, and people have, over those years in your lives, been telling you their opinion about the Lord, just building up this nature and character and description and illustration of the Lord's heart and the way he is, based on their opinion. And you may have bought into this. You may have just agreed with them. But it is not until you read the Word of God for yourself and have a relationship with Him directly yourself that you start to begin to understand His true nature. So we must be very careful that we do not listen to other people's opinions about the Lord's nature unless their opinions are a direct reflection of the Lord's nature as it's described and explained in the Scriptures. We can look at the love of God in so many places in the Word of God. We can look at His nature, His forgiving nature, His long-suffering nature towards even the children of Israel. And we should be carefully examining the Word of God and letting the Holy Spirit reveal to us the true love and the nature of the Lord. Because only once we get to know the Lord more the trust will increase in him. We will be able to use the faith that he has given us to greater measure, to greater things, because we know that he is a good God. He wants the best for his creation. He's not a dictator. He is a loving father, but he's also a sovereign, just, and righteous God. He's holy. And so we have to see the nature and understand the nature and character of God. But once we begin to get that understanding, we can see in the scriptures that he truly has done so much for us and has plans to prosper us, to not harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. He has so many things for us. He's sent his son for us to die for us on the cross that we may receive eternal life, even though it was completely undeserved of us. 
So this is a God that loves us and he wants to talk to us. He wants to talk to us just like your best friend wants to have a relationship with you. But God is so much better than even your best friend. But how would we ever know that until we seek him, to know him, and to read his word, to read the Bible, to understand his nature? And remember that Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 explains that Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of the Father. So if you've ever have this misunderstanding or opinion of the Father, that the Father is very different from the Son, then I implore you to rethink that opinion and not lean on your own understanding about that, but to look and examine the scriptures to know the nature of the Father, to know the love and the forgiveness he had, particularly in the Old Testament. He has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if you look at the Old Testament particularly, you can see that the Father was having to take situations into his own hands without Jesus having yet come to pay for man's sin. So you could see the floods. You could see the flood of the earth. But you could see that God did not want to do the flood. He didn't want to make the flood happen, but he was forced to by the increasing sin of man. So it is important to understand the nature of God. And when we know his nature and his character, we can more easily trust in him. And our faith becomes more effectual. It becomes more effective towards the things of the Lord and bringing the resources and bringing the will of the Lord to bear through our faith to situations that we can speak to in accordance with his word on the earth, whether it be someone's healing, bringing someone back from the dead, casting out demons, whatever the nature of it is, just loving on someone with the love of Christ. You're able to love on them more effectively when you know that the Lord is loving them more than you could ever love them. So we will leave it there for today, but there is more to discuss on the topic of faith next week, and that's where we will continue. If you would like to get in touch with us, our website is touchofgod.world, T-O-G.world. If you'd like to partner with us to give into the ministry, you can do so on that website, T-O-G.world. We'd love to pray for you. You can call us at country code 1-407-705-3151, country code 1-407-705-3151. And until next week, you have a blessed week. Amen.